Hey, welcome back to Trust is My Home. It's been a while. In today's episode, I will be sitting down with my brother, Father Nathan, and we will be discussing one of the most beautiful documents, our encyclicals by Pope Benedict, Saved in Hope. And one of those lines in this document is, those who have hope live differently. And I think we've been all reflecting on how we live these days. And so I thought that we would dive in through conversation and study and see what this, this encyclical might have to say to where we are right now. It's an unscripted and unedited conversation, so I hope you enjoy it. God bless. Welcome to Trust is My Home, a weekly podcast about living a covenant of trust with the Father. From Loretto House here in Austin, Texas to your own home, this podcast seeks to lay down and enflesh the foundation of trust that becomes the true rock on which to build a home. Each week we will talk about realigning our lives toward the Father. What does it mean to trust Him? If God is a good Father and we believe that, how does that change the way we live our lives? We'll dig deep into the hidden treasures of the hearts of mothers and fathers who are choosing to live radical trust in God and speak honestly about the challenges and the testimonies that come from such a life. This is a podcast from this home to your homes, meant to reach into the sometimes lonely struggles to weave encouragement, joy, and community into your day. So whether you're driving, cleaning, folding, or just stopping to listen, welcome to Trust is My Home. Trust is my home, and also to St. Peter Volo. Uh, I am here in the internet or in the whatever i'm i'm speaking to my brother he is in volo and i am in austin and hello hello sister i am i am father nathan and i am here in volo speaking to you there in austin that is true good wonderful so now that we have that established um (laughs) so prior to this recording uh we were father nathan and i were talking about well, the current situation, which is the funniest, the fun current, what you can add whatever you want into that category. Right. It's perennial. But the current is. situation is all the situations. It is the now, you know, so mm-hmm. whatever situation you're in is the current situation. And we were speaking right. of that. But and especially we're, we're, now. Yeah. And we we're just talking about the responses, all the different responses. We were laughing about responses. We were and one of, the, one of the, the things that came up in our conversation was this incredible person who had so much wisdom for even beyond the time that we're in right now. And that was Pope Benedict. Mm-hmm. And we were speaking specifically of a document that, uh, encyclical actually, uh, a part of a three-part series actually on faith, hope, and love. And just how this is a time where we need, what is the virtue? What is a supernatural virtue? So we're not even talking about, there's the human virtue of hope. And then there's this, this supernatural, it's a gift from God, but it's also something we participate in. It's given to us at our baptism. What is this hope that we're talking about and how does hope play a part? So I watched the movie, uh, Just Mercy, which was, um, and there was this really beautiful line or striking line to me. 
that the um, the thing that is the opposite of justice is hopelessness. So I didn't quote that right, but it's basically it was what is the opposite of justice? Hopelessness. And that's kind of was unexpected for me. Um, as you could say injustice, but there's some way in which hope allows for true order and true goodness in our world and allows us to move forward. So we decided to both read together our study a little bit and go back to this document, Space Solving, and then Space Solving. And have a conversation about it. So that's, that's where we are. So Space Solving, uh, one reason why I know for myself, I love this document, but I remember my brother, Father Nathan, was ordained in 2014. And uh, do you have your holy card with you? Do you have the quote? It's, I mean, you uh, have in your bump. I don't have the quote in my holy card. And, um, well, I have it right here. Great. So there's this quote that Father Nathan chose for his holy card, which is actually in this document. And, uh, it's about this encounter with Christ. And so he had the face of Christ and then this quote. Yet in the pain of this encounter, when the I don't think you had all of this, but when the impurity and sickness mm -hmm. of our lives becomes evident to us, there lies salvation. His gaze, the touch of his heart, heals us through an undeniably painful transformation as through fire. But it is a blessed pain in which the holy power of his love sears through us like a flame, enabling us to become totally ourselves and thus totally of God. Mm -hmm. and I don't know why, why did you choose that quote? Sure, so yeah, I started a little earlier, um, basically the essence of that, but yet in the pain of this encounter, and as the gaze, the encounter with him is the decisive act of judgment. Well, Before his gaze, all falsehood melts away. This encounter with him, as it burns us, transforms and frees us, allowing us to become truly ourselves. In the pain of this encounter, when the impurity and sickness of our lives becomes evident to us, there lies salvation. His gaze, the touch of his heart, heals us through an undeniably painful transformation as through fire. I had some of that. Uh, but yeah. the essence is, is that encounter with God, right? So without, without God, without that encounter. So you can have God and, and, and God, as long as he remains distant enough, arms reach from me, I don't have to encounter him. I don't have to change my life. Right? And it's that mm -hmm. selfishness and that self-centeredness that, that each person has if they don't want to let God into the wounds, into the, into the darkness, into the 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 places of shame. Mm -hmm. They don't want to let God into that. Um, they are building a wall around themselves. But it is that gaze. And if you imagine you're in your, your eyes, right? I mean, imagine in, if you, in your imagination, consider yourself gazing on Christ, looking eye to eye with Christ and mm -hmm. ask yourself if you can hold that gaze of Jesus Christ who loves you. And it is in that gaze where you come to know yourself. 
and and coming to know yourself then it is that painful transformation where you're facing yourself but you're also seeing that us the savior loves you and enters into that pain he doesn't he doesn't um he doesn't he's not afraid of it mm -hmm. he doesn't love you despite it he loves you even in it mm -hmm. like he it is that the the wounds that you have he knows and he wants to like pour his healing oil into those wounds and and embrace those wounds like to to like when you have a wound and you you um and you bring it to the doctor and the doctor you have to show him and he has to look at it and explore yeah. it and see it and 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 then he can fix it mm -hmm. you know, apply the self so this is that in that gaze with our lord jesus um that heals and for me that is that i think that is a source of my vocation and right. that's i mean that it was very the last two years going into my to ordination i just um it was combined with the image the 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 shroud of turn image of our lord uh which is you know digitally doctored so that it it looks more real like a face but so it's the face based on the face of the shroud of turin and on that face you you just see christ and it's a, as eyes piercing eyes mm -hmm. that you can like gaze into and it was easy to to go there and to to imagine okay here i am looking into the face of christ and not not shying away and once you do that it's completely freeing Right. Naked without look, shame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you look into if you look into the eyes of Christ, you know, you don't find condemnation. Right. If you're willing to look up at Christ like Peter did on the uh, you know, walking on the water, like keep eyes focused on Christ. If you're able to do that, then and Christ enables us to do it, but then you you realize it's always a gaze of love. It's great. It, it really like the line, like who doesn't want this? I mean, even if you see the, a lot of the new age um, kind of desire, like the new age books and the healing books is like, we want to become totally ourselves. Mm -hmm. And this, I love that about the quote. It's like enabling us to be, to become totally ourselves and thus totally of God. And I think that's a desire that everyone can relate to. I know that for myself, um, you know, the greatest pain I have is usually when I don't feel like I have that permission to be myself, but it's like, who is the one that gives you permission to be yourself? It's God. Mm -hmm. He gives you the authority to be yourself. Like we can't say that like society and people take that away. Like when our eyes are on him. So what is the source of our authority of in our identity? What is the source of our freedom to become who we are? It is this gaze and this encounter of Christ. It's interesting because this quote also I, this was before your ordination when pope benedict retired it was very hard for me and uh but i remember i wrote him a letter and i wrote him a letter because i needed to grieve <laughs> so i wrote him a letter and i i i actually quoted him this passage and i said i will i want to live this now like this is the mission statement of my life and um which, which is the quote that you read that ended up being on your holy card. And 
I think that the way that I even go through the day is always thinking about being in front of that gaze. Like it's not a moment, okay, well, not time to have my little gaze time with Jesus. It's, it's kind of like, how do we live that all the time? You know, like even when I'm kind of even trying to run away from it a little bit, I still like hear Jesus, look at me trying to run away from you, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, so that's, I just thought that was really striking that that was on your priestly card. That was, it was a very striking, it was a very striking uh, quote. I mean, I didn't, nobody else chose that quote. And I think it really, so that quote is actually at the end of this document. And it really is leading. So the whole document is leading to what? To us being totally of God. Yeah. And that's totally of ourselves. Totally yes. ourselves. Yeah, not of ourselves, but totally ourselves. And I think some people would probably say when there's a lot of talk right now about the illumination of conscience and that that is exactly what's being described in that. Sure. Ultimately, that's, you know, whatever, whatever illumination. revelation is whether it's legit or not it's there is going to be an illumination of conscience at the at the final judgment yes yeah that decisive act of judgment is when we look upon god face to face uh and then we will come to terms there will be no hiding from every decision we've made in our life right um which you know we we take it's usually portrayed as as a i mean as a moment of terror or day of wrath or day of mourning uh, but, but it's also when we look upon the gaze of Christ who loves us and we realize that one, we've screwed up and two, he still loves us. Yeah. And I think that the end part of that is just allowing his, the encounter is allowing his mercy to be, to be the, the highest truth in that encounter. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's humility right a lot realizing i'm not bringing up my own salvation um and so i thought that that that's kind of like where the doc a beautiful place near the end of the document but that was um it's definitely one of those quotes but there is a you know in the beginning of this document so basically pope benedict like a good teacher is outlining what hope is for the christian mm-hmm. and then bringing it to its fruition which is that final encounter with the lord prior to you know our time in eternity spent in the eternity of love being totally ourselves and totally of god so that's the journey that we're hoping to at least kind of go on um at least begin talking about um at at a, at a, at a place because um i think that it's really important to remember the goal uh what is the goal of our life what is the goal of the life of the earth family what is the goal of our country's life you know like all of these things what is the ultimate goal to be totally of god and totally ourselves so how do we look at christian hope in the light of where we are and and how we kind of operate so there's a quote um the very beginning of that document that i thought was kind of the guiding principle right um and it was just actually might be in even the first first paragraph but the one who has hope lives differently. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's like a good way to think about. So how, how do we see this right now? Like, so here we are in a yeah. situation with a lot of uncertainty. And um, kind of walk through there. So. 
Yeah, so I mean, the, the title of the document is uh, We Are Saved, uh, Space Salve Pacti Sumus, through, through, uh, We Are Saved Through Hope. And uh, Pope Benedict is going to enter right into that, like, why is it that we are saved by hope? Um, what, what makes it, what makes life, what is the hope, and then what makes that life, um, what changes it, you know? Um, and then he goes, he starts with uh, a discussion on, in first letter of St. Peter, um, and he says to always give a reason uh, for your hope. So in, uh, in this time, there are all kinds of gods, many gods, uh, but the gods have shown themselves to be lacking, not, not actually a source of hope. They were maybe a source of distraction, a source of, of, you know, calling out to some being that would help, you know, some Roman pagan to, um, to go to war, to to be, uh, to be just in some way, to be stoic, or do, you know, but this God that the Christians serve is a God who is who gives a true hope, uh, who gives a hope that is, that is lively, not just an idea, not just like thinking of, okay, well, I, I know there's going to be ice cream at the end of the day. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's not just pie in the sky hope. It's like a hope. It's, it's a rising up of our hearts to, to a reality that changes the way I am now, right? And that and that that performative change, right? The the it's the changing the way I do things because of this hope is. Um, so it changes you. From, it's like changing you from the inside out. Uh, it's not a carrot at the end of a stick to keep you going forward. It's something that even changes the way you look with your eyes and hear with your ears. Um, there is, in the second paragraph, there's a great uh, line here too, we see, we see as a distinguishing mark of Christians, the fact that they have a future. It is not that they know the details of what awaits them, but they know that in general terms that their life will not end in emptiness. Um, and he begins a very part, very, very first paragraph is that um, the present, even if it's arduous, can be lived and accepted if it leads towards a goal. If we can be sure of this goal, and if this goal is great enough to justify the effort of the journey, right? So right now, there is, seems to be a crisis of a goal. <laughs> That's why we started with the goal. Like, what is the goal? Is this encounter being totally ourselves and totally of God? Um, when you're sitting in your house and you don't, you don't get, you're not in charge of when things are happening again. You're not in charge of when your children's soccer game is going to be rescheduled or even if anyone's going to have camps or, and you're every day, you're trying to figure out what to do. And it almost seems like the goals in your life are taken away from you. And it could create even that kind of uncertainty creates a hopelessness that, um, it grinds you down. It grinds you down because you're, because we're so used to having immediate goals that give us the hope. And God is like, Hey guys, um, I want your hope to be beyond whether you have summer camps or beyond whether you can 
I'll go back to mass right now, or beyond whatever thing that helped us think that we were in control of the schedule and what we're doing with our lives. And we were setting our own goals, right? And our own goals were like, we're pushing to the achievement, our own goals. And it's almost like those goals kind of like, we're, we're going to just remove those goals for a second. So you can focus on what's the major goal. And somehow hope is connected to that goal. And hope isn't like, um, hope not only it's the vehicle, and it's the destination. <laughs> so hope is like, it's driving you to the end point, but you're already participating in the, in the results of what is the victory. Yeah, no, exactly. So the, the, uh, this time has been very trying for a lot of people who have been locked in their rooms and watching TV, you know, and watching the news and seeing how dire the situation is every day. And, uh, and it's worn down people's hope. But it, it also reveals that our hopes, our hopes are not high enough. They're, they're, not, they're not real enough, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I hope to get to Mass this Sunday is, is just an earthly hope. Um, I hope that we'll return to normal is just an earthly hope. And, and those are the kind of hopes that are, they're, you know, they get us through a day, but they, they're not, they don't last. Uh, they don't last. And so I, I've seen a lot of people who are, are just really down. And, and I, I've experienced it myself in my own life. There's a lot of things that I hoped for. Uh, people that I, I hoped would be great leaders. Uh, mm -hmm. People who would, you know, do the right thing. And I've seen them not do it, you know. And, and those hopes have been, those hopes have been dashed. And I've seen a lot of, you know, all kinds of things, but there is there and there needs to be uh, an enduring hope, something that there's an anchor that the symbol of hope is an anchor um, because it, it anchors us to something. It, it keeps us from just flailing around, you know, it, it's like when we have hope in heaven, that it transcends all of our, our earthly aspirations. It transcends because it's not my will that I need to fulfill. It's not my, what I think I need to do. So what is God's will for me? What does he want me to do? That's where my hope has to be based on him and on his, on, on his call for me. Right. And so, so, okay. Yeah. So you're basically, we, we, God has helped us out um, in our hope because he's, he's given us the end of the story already. And when we say the creed, when we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and then Jesus, you know, we say the whole creed. What we're saying is our life isn't just for this world. Mm -hmm. And what, it's not just uh, something that goes after the homily. It is uh, witnessing to, these are the things that we're, we're saying, like, are the most true, right? So... One of the things I've been hearing and even for myself is like one of the most difficult things in this time is like, you're trying to figure out what the truth is like, because there's so many voices mm -hmm. and it can be, can almost lead to despair to feel like you can't find the truth. And so in those cases, well, what do we do? And I was thinking about St. Therese, um, she went through a real difficult time right near the end of her life and um, really being stripped right down to the end. 
And one of the things she did was she wrote out the creed and she had it with her. And when she was totally faced with so much uncertainty, she actually read the creed out loud as a way of, I don't feel it, but I believe it. And so if we see, so with the three uh, theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity, they're all intertwined, just like the Trinity's intertwined. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, how do we have this hope? Um, he, Pope Benedict gives the answer of love. That when we know we're definitively loved, and then whatever happens to us, we're awaited by love, then our life is good. So it goes back again to that encounter with the living God who loves us. Yeah. So, so go ahead. Yeah, hope. It, so there's, uh, there's an image of faith, hope, and charity, which is a tree or, or sometimes a chalice, you know, and the, the root, the base is faith, and the stem is hope, and the, the cup, which holds the precious blood, is charity, right? And so you look at faith, it's, it's what roots us. It's the knowledge it's the knowledge of divine, the knowledge of divine things that roots us in heaven, uh, by which we know God. And then hope, which rises up, which like a, think of like a tree is shooting up towards charity. Right. But the the three are not separate; they're all one. They're all one chalice, or they're all one tree you know yeah, you can't have hope without love and faith you can't have faith without hope and charity so yeah. I, uh charles hope peggy and charity Sorry. <laughs> yeah charles peggy i think it was him uh french uh <laughs> poet talks about hope as the the little the little sister uh between faith and charity is that right hmm. i think anyway so I, I have a question for you. So yep. there's, I mean, so we, in this kind of like the first part of the document, he's talking about, okay, if we have a goal, if we have a goal, we can live. Uh, we know what our goal is, is heaven is to be totally of God and totally ourselves. Um, how do we get there? It's like, it's through this um, awareness that actually the victory already won by Christ and what, what is promised to us, we have access to now. So we have access to heaven now. And one of the ways that we do that is through the liturgy. Um, it's one of the most tangible, real, um, and universal. And also it's the time when the mystical body of Christ is united in the worship of God. So mm -hmm. we're, we're accessing heaven, right? We're accessing, we're, we're accessing that in our own, like we're consuming, right? Um, the reason for our hope, which is crazy when you think about it. Um, but then how right now when people are like, okay, this is great. This is really good theology. It's helping my brain kind of see. But right now, how would we say, like, how do we grow in hope? How do we grow in hope? Like if I was, if someone hmm. was going to say, oh, that's, that's a takeaway. Like, so that's really great. Thank you guys for talking about Space Alve. Um, You're welcome. And, <laughs> and like, but um, what does that look like for, for people, this walking yeah. in hope? Well, maybe we should go to, to num number three. Okay. Is all about, uh, Pope Benedict brings in Josephine Bakita. I'll just read a little bit, just a little summary of who she is. Born around 1869, she herself did not know the precise date in Darfur in Sudan. 
At the age of nine, she was kidnapped by slave traders, beaten till she bled, and sold five times in the slave markets of Sudan. Eventually, she found herself working as a slave for the mother and the wife of a general, and there she was flogged every day till she bled. As a result of this, she bore 144 scars throughout her life. Finally, in 1882, she was bought by an Italian merchant for the Italian consul, uh, Callisto Lignani, who returned to Italy as the modest advance. Here, after the terrifying masters who had owned her up to that point, Bikita came to know a totally different kind of master. She came to know God. This brings us very much into today. And the world is uh, aflame with Black Lives Matter. The reality of slavery, um, which is what Pope Benedict XVI enters into that discussion in talking about hope. And if you can't talk about hope from the darkest place, then there's no point in talking about hope. Right? right? If hope is just for the privileged, then it's nothing, then it's, then it's cheap. But it's, this is not the hope of God. The hope of God is that Josephine Bakita, who was dehumanized incredibly, you know, treated as an animal, became, uh, was, became elevated through her knowledge of God and who she was in God. Right. So, yeah. So this is how hope is, we are redeemed or saved in hope, is that, gosh, it's interesting because you, like you're, it's almost like something happens, but you try, you can't really, I think it goes back to that encounter because she encountered God. She encountered God. So, so, and, and, but what was, what was it that gave, what, how did she become, how did, you know, without just reading this through, like, the way she knew, the way that she gained this eternal hope uh, was that she, she found out who God was, mm-hmm. and that this God loved her, that it right. was, God's love for her, and that she was not just treated as a thing, but she's treated as a person, which, you know, John Paul II talks about in personalism, and is talking about personal, like, a person is something like that, which is the object of love, which, to which the only legitimate response is love, you know? Right. Uh, and our world right. so much has made, made people into objects. You know, uh, people are objectified constantly, certainly through, you know, uh, visually through, you know, sensuality and all that, like people have become, they're slaves to this objectifying reality of pornography for one, for, you know, which is, which is everywhere. And then, but not just that, like people are, are sold in so many ways, um, uh, like people, people are sold things. They're we're, they're treated. That the constant interaction that people have with the world around them is one of of being sold stuff because you're a consumer. 
Right. And you're not being treated as someone who is worthy of love. You're being treated as someone who is a consumer, has a certain amount of disposable income and all this, you know, and that, I mean, that's just one. And of course, this doesn't, this, I'm not by any way minimizing uh, a, a deeper slavery of where people are actually being sold as slaves, as animals, you know, right? Uh, as if they were, had no soul, you know. Uh, so, so God's response then is his response to the way that we have dehumanized each other and objectified and um, sold off our own brothers and sisters is to come as men and to die. And I, I think that we need to be re-scandalized by the fact that God became man and died for us. Um, there is this on the fourth paragraph. Um, so Jesus did not come to bring a message of social revolution. Mm -hmm. Like the ill-fated Spartacus whose struggle led to so much bloodshed. Jesus was not Spartacus. He had not engaged in a fight for political liberation. Like Barnabas or Bar Koba. Jesus himself, who himself, he like went to the, like it's right where you were talking about at the very beginning. He didn't just like look at your wounds. He went into the wounds himself. He became the wound. Jesus himself died on the cross and he brought something totally different. He's like, okay, you guys going to fight each other and have more bloodshed. Like that's the answer. We're going to restore the social order through killing more people. No, I'm going to go as God become men to actually die in the place of every slave, every person who's been objectified, every person who has even you made themselves like an animal. I will go and die in that place. That's his answer. That is God's answer to man. Show me your greatest sin. I will go to that place and die there. Right. And, and, then, and then to bring Black Lives Matter into this, right? And I, I'm talking about the, whatever, the corporation or the, whatever, whatever sort of group it is. There are people who are, who are hurt and are angry because of an injustice. And then there are people who are using that for political advantage, mm. you know, and they are take, they're exactly doing what Jesus did not do to, to seek political liberation, right? Mm -hmm. to, to use, to use people's hurt and their, their anger to, to take, to, re, to establish a new political order as if that's the solution right right now right this, and, and it's i mean uh, it's it's really it's so, and, and so what's what's tied with all these things is is you have so you have uh you have people who are rioting you know, like you have antifa like all these people who are against something but they're not for anything mm. they're they're not for the human person that they're their being for a human person it is has been left behind. Mm. Right. Whereas can, what, yeah. what did our Lord do? He entered he entered in and became, yeah. he became us, you know. It's He's I mean it's really he crazy. Suffered our like, humiliation. It I really I think that sometimes we we so easily say like, oh, Jesus died for you. But 
I don't know how, maybe each person has their own moment of realization, what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, that there is no suffering on earth that you cannot meet Jesus there. There's no, there is no, there is absolutely no place of darkness where light cannot come to you. There's no place of darkness where light not, cannot come to you. Right. And, um, but what, what welcomes that? Like, how do we become those that welcome the true justice um, of hope? Right. Right. Exactly. Um, so then, and Pope Benedict goes on to talk about how we have to enter into the same place of, of exile. He said, all of us are in exile and we have to live as though we are in exile. Not as though we are home. So we crazy. have to, we have to, uh, we're all seeking freedom. You know, that there's not one of us, you know, it's not half of us are free and half of us are not. Half of us may be pretending we're free or maybe we all pretend we're free in some way. And mm. we, put, uh, thanks be to God, we do have freedoms. We have, we have freedoms, physical freedoms and 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 moral freedoms i mean every kind of but we're not we're we are in a veil of tears and we all are and unless we all accept that and experience the solidarity of being not in heaven um we we won't experience the unity that comes from desiring heaven from having our minds and our hearts lifted up to heaven to our heavenly homeland it's that it's that heavenly homeland that is our that unites us that we're all going to the same place to the same one lord um, so really the question that keeps coming back to me then is like what are what are we holding on to that is not god you know so i know for myself oftentimes i mean my sufferings usually come <laughs> when i suffer it's usually cuz i want something or I'm desiring something um, that isn't like here or it's not happening or maybe it's um, and then reckoning with my helplessness and bringing that about. And if we go back, I mean, at least my podcast, we talk about how in the garden, Eve grasped for the very thing that God wanted to give her. So she took it uh, and instead of receiving it. And what is being proposed is that we, we become an exile, we become pilgrims, but then it is God that he can give us a home. Like, I don't think this means like, we're just supposed to, um, you know, we're not supposed to, like, we're not supposed to build a social order. We're not supposed to have uh, cities, you know, we're all just gonna walk and be like these, you know, okay, you know, waiting for heaven to come, like they'll just sit down and wait. Um, I don't think that's what he's saying. There's a social order in this. There's there's ramifications in our daily life. But right now, I feel like right now, God is asking us, what are you holding on to that isn't me? And those are usually the pain points that are hit, at least hitting me right now. Like in, even in just this month, I mean, this month of the Sacred Heart, it's been, oh, okay, so I'm still trying to be like Eve and grasp for that myself. It doesn't mean God's not going to give that to me. Mm-hmm. But I've taken, when I'm not living in hope, I'm taking from him the ability to give that to me as a gift. Because I want to feel 
in control because I somehow think that if I'm in control, it's a better thing. <laughs> Which, but it's but that's what's being kind of really shaken right now. Because mm -hmm. there's been moments where I just like in one day where I think, okay, this is gonna happen. I'm in control. Here, finally, something that is gonna happen, and just in one day, it just all goes into like a puff of smoke. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, so I guess going back, so there's two things is you, speaking about how Christ himself redeems man through his love. And he's, it's through this encounter of someone as person and how this exactly brings about the truest justice that the greatest gift we could give to any person is an encounter with Christ. Mm -hmm. That on the streets and right it's like this is what we should be praying for and this is what we should be part of because we can also be a part of someone else's encounter with christ like jesus doesn't encounter people all by himself without the help of others because we become part of that body of christ right and then also that those who have hope grieve differently like are we grieving sometimes as though this is our only home Yeah. So I, I guess we're, what we're not saying is that uh, we're not saying that we're not engaged in this world. We are engaged in this world in, in what, in building a society, building a civilization, in, in doing all the acts that we're required to, according to our state in life to do every day. But in the midst of doing our duty, doing our duty, um, we have a solidity uh, of hope that is based on the reality that we are fallen, that we that we recognize our our weakness, and that we share that weakness with with the whole world, mm -hmm. with every person. And that Christ knows our weakness and that Christ knowing our weakness and, and promising us heaven makes us live differently now. Not just suffering now and, and living later, but living as children of God now, in freedom now, because we know that we are on our way to our heavenly homeland where we will live in eternity with God, our Father. And that unites us in our journey together, uh, which is difficult at times, but it's, it's, it's like when we were on a walking pilgrimage um, mm -hmm. and we have our destination and we, a group of us, 30 of us, um, we're united. We were all walking, uh, not always at the same pace, but we were united. Uh, we all suffered our own various physical sufferings, but we were united in our destination. And because of we were united in our destination, we walked steadily. We continued. It changed the way we lived each day toward our 
destination. Right. right. And that's how hope, a, a true hope of heaven changes the way we live now. Right. You know, it, because we are walking, we're going steadily to Christ. Right. And it's what you're also pointing out in the pilgrimage example is that there might be a day where somebody's hope is lagging, but you see your brother or your sister next to you and they're holding the hope. Like we all share that burden of hope in a way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a good place. I feel like to, to end for today, like as far as uh, that's a good ending point is kind of the pilgrimage image of, I think that is very um, tangible. Um, and there's, I mean, there's, there's many layers. This is just the very first part of space all that we've touched on. Um, and maybe we'll have another conversation and continue with it. Well, who knows? We can hope for that. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> <Dare> um, we? <laughs> maybe there's this, uh, maybe we could have a, um, maybe you could end with a prayer or a blessing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we turn to you as your children, desiring your kingdom, desiring your will for us. We know that you are good and that your plan for us is good. We know that you know our suffering, and so we lay it bare before you and ask you to heal it, ask you to use it for our sanctification. Give us the strength to get up each day to follow you. Give us the courage to reach out to those around us who are in need, who need hope. Send your Holy Spirit into our hearts to dwell there that we may act in love. May Almighty God bless you, all who are listening, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you.